everyone, this is Jonathan Capehart. This week, we're doing something different. We're talking with Franklin Sermons, director of the Perez Art Museum Miami. I talked with him when I zipped down to Miami last month to talk to Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Now, Sermons is a star of the contemporary art world, and what he's doing in his stunning museum on Biscayne Bay made for a fascinating conversation. Sure, there are people who would say museums aren't for me, you know, this it's this place that is of the past, but I think we, I, I really believe we are different and we don't have the baggage of the past. This is going to be unlike any other K-pop conversation you've heard. We're talking art, which uses the same language we political junkies use, but in a different way. So this might take some getting used to, but get used to it, because this is the perfect escape from the insanity of politics. Franklin, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Jonathan. So if you were to say the name MoMA, mm-hmm. Museum of Modern Art, people have an idea of what's there. Mm-hmm. You say the Met, Metropolitan Museum of Art, people know what's there. Yeah. But when people hear Perez Art Museum, Miami, what, do you, what vision do you hope comes to mind when they hear the name? International contemporary art of the moment and told with the sort of tongue or with the flavor of Latin America and the Caribbean, which is where we are. I came here for many reasons. It is the opportunity to speak from the point of view of a museum in a way that is different in other places. So that means that we have a lot of people, particularly younger people, who are having their very first museum experience here. And, and I think that I'm really drawn to that. I'm drawn to the way that museums help us see ourselves in the world. And I think when, when it happens at an early point that it can be really healthy and really you know, a good part of a well-rounded education in a way. We also, in part because of that and in part because of the, the way that museums perhaps should evolve in the 21st century, which they are changing, is that we have a real duty to be about more than just providing a place for people to come and look at a a painting on the wall or or walk around a sculpture. Those things are fantastic, and we want to talk about line, we want to talk about color, form, but we also uh, want to be a place where people come for dialogue, a place where people are having an experience with the art object that precipitates something else. And that's, I, I think that's, that's very different from the way that I grew up and going to MoMA. Mm-hmm. And when you say have a dialogue, I mean, you're not just talking about, oh, look how beautiful that painting is. You're talking about a dialogue that is in keeping with the current converse, national conversation, Absolutely. whatever that national conversation is. National and international, mm-hmm. especially being here. Right. Uh, that is paramount. I mean, we just walked past some of our, you know, it's just funny, all the museums rather empty in the offices, but our educators are out there right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, they are amazingly active, and I walk in here every morning and see them sitting down in front of a work of art with a group of kids. And that's a really important part of what we're here to do. We are that place for some form of arts-based learning 
and not only uh, learning, but also entertaining in a way as well. So who is your core audience? When you wake up every day, who are you thinking of? Is there a central group of people who make or break the work for you? It's, it's a, you know, we talk about being here for ages three to 103 or something like that. Um, we have many, I think, many different audiences. My concern is that we have something for everyone. What I'm trying to do is, is increase the audience for museum going, period. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I've tried to think about for the last 20 years. What I'm hearing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, breaking down what seems to my old mind a wall between the public and art, turning this institution into part of the community. So yes, it is a museum, but if we're talking about climate change, uh, rainforest depletion, yep. Black Lives Matter, any other issues that don't think of the museum as separate from the conversation, think of it as part of the conversation. Absolutely. We, so I got it. We are, yeah, you got it completely. <laughs> We're down all. <laughs> I mean, really. That, and, and, the, and our architecture is suggestive of that. We're filled with windows. The concept of inside and outside is absolutely paramount to one's experience here. And we try to take that concept, and we even look at it in terms of programming. So we will do, uh, we have a program now called Inside Out. And we have reproductions of works that are in the collection that are then put in other neighborhoods. You know, we really are the People's Museum. It is very different from having a private collection where you uh, have done everything yourself. And so we want to always reflect the community around us. Mm -hmm. So I'd be remiss if I did not mention that in October mm. will be your year, your year anniversary here. As, as director, and you came here from the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, yes. LACMA. And I have to say that you mentioned your name, and people love, people love you. They, they love you, personality-wise, but they love what you're, all, what you're all about. What's the year been like for you? I knew I was coming into a place where there was already a sort of conceptual, um, a compliment to a lot of the work that I've done. I knew the curators that were here, and so have been able to be very in tuned, I think, to the program. It just so happened that I walked into a place where the first exhibition that opened last fall was by uh, an artist named Nari Ward, uh, an artist who was in the Artist in Residence program at the Studio Museum in Harlem 20-something years ago when I was an intern. Uh, and then to, to follow that with an artist like Doris Salcedo, uh, an artist that I actually brought here in an exhibition in 19, uh, no, in 2008, uh, called Neo Hoodoo. Um, so it, there, there have been so many resonances throughout this year that just sort of re, um, allow me to, to reimagine this space and what it means and how complementary I think we are. Mm -hmm. and the same thing is happening now. You know, we have uh, the Basquiat exhibition up right now. It's an artist I did my 
undergraduate thesis on. So I was going to ask you because he is a huge influence, uh, has been and continues to be a huge influence on you in your office. There are Basquiat books oh, yeah. all, all, all over the place. What was it? And speaking of like museums having an impact on the young, he had an impact on you at a, very, at a young age. What was it about him and his art that spoke to you? It was, it was, this is, you know, when you have that moment where you see something that solidifies in your mind that you are of the here and now, that you are seeing something that it parallels the experiences you've had. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was about looking at the little bit of art that I knew at that time. I knew from my father, I knew from my parents. Because your father dragged you to museums, yeah, right? I, I, well, you didn't want to, you, know, you didn't really uh, want to go. Sometimes kicking and screaming, but I would have preferred to have been at a soccer game or at a tennis match or something like that, but it rubbed off. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but it put me in a conversation and it put me around a lot of artists. And I think subconsciously there was there, but it also was looking at a, a generation of artists that you knew was different from your own. And that's what that experience was. And then to see Jean-Michel Basquiat, and the first time I really remember seeing him is on the cover of the New York Times Magazine in 1985. And already knowing the name, probably you know, seeing a couple of things. But it really just solidified the idea of an artist who was, it was different. It was my generation. It was not the generation prior, which would be more identified with my father for, for, in my mind. But speak, speak more specifically about that, because mm-hmm. as I'm listening to you speak, I'm envisioning your father being more formal more of yeah, a right. lover of Rembrandt or, well, or Raphael actually, actually, as opposed to Basquiat who is collage and yeah. everything that compared to a Rembrandt would yeah. seem jumbled and messy and crazy. But actually the, the, the difference was all about representation. And what struck me with Basquiat was this unrelenting desire for representation not only to use imagery in a representational way, but representation, like to represent oneself. And that's what that magazine cover did, right? Because it wasn't, it wasn't putting up a painting on the cover of the magazine. That would not have done it. It had to be him and the way that he chose to represent himself. What was that, what was that image? This image is the young artist sitting with his, his uh, if I remember correctly, his legs crossed in, a, in a, a wonderful modern chair. He's holding a paintbrush, so he's giving you that, you know, this is who I am, I am an artist. But he's wearing this Armani suit. He looks incredibly dapper, elegant, and yet he has no shoes on. So he's clearly playing with, with, with images in a way that was, I think, irreverent to say the least and capturing what other artists were doing in that moment. We could say graffiti artists, we could say uptown, downtown scene, you know, artists who were looking at um, music um, as, as part of the conversation around visual art. People uh, like 
Fab Five Freddy, who would have been a part of that moment, and thinking about how these things go together. It wasn't just about being an artist in one studio by oneself, but it was about a, a scene. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that, that picture really sort of identified that for me and made me feel like this is, and like everybody, made a lot of people feel like this is our moment. You mentioned several times um, that this artist is of the moment or this piece yeah. of art is of the moment. What is of the moment to you? It's what we are, it's what we strive to be, which is to reflect who we are, where we are in the now and to be a part of that conversation. I think the idea of the museum as being this sort of, you know, uh, a historical uh, portal to go back in time is uh, something that is, is of the past and that in order to be a, a forward-looking institution, we need to be of our moment. And so I, I, so I have been primarily, you know, interested in what is, is termed contemporary art as mm -hmm. opposed to the modern or So then, so of our moment, describe our moment. Ooh. <laughs> or give me, one, give me one or two things that come to mind. Because I know that's like a contentious. Yeah. That's our moment. You know, it, it's, it's a moment that I think we need museums now more than ever. We need a place where people come together to have open conversations. And I think that's what, that's what a, a, a contemporary art museum uh, does now. You know, it's, it, it can be described in some ways as being a town square. Mm -hmm. um, it's that, it can be that place where everybody can sort of throw different ideas around. And that's, that's, that's kind of why I have gravitated to this space. Who's, gravi who's gravitating to this space? Is it you, meaning museums, reaching out to the community saying, this is the moment, these are the conversations, we're here to have the conversation with you and we'll do it, we'll do it through art? Or is it the community coming to the institution and saying, hey, here's this conversation that's happening, where are you? As a museum, we also will not lose faith or lose touch in the art object and the primary experience of the art object or of the art video of painting. Having that experience is paramount and that is what we exist for, but it then leads into all of those other conversations. So it is, it is the catalyst to have those discussions. That, I think that's how I think of Pam. You can come here and have an experience in the shop. You can have an experience in the restaurant. You can have an experience outside without even coming inside. And, and, and how you relate in the world to architecture, to the bay out front, um, how you relate to a space that has been built and, and to define, uh, I think, a safe place in a way. So, you know, here's the thing. What do you say to people who hear what, hear what you're saying, you know, people, the architecture, the shop, yeah. the restaurant, like it's all around them. How do you make people understand that 
understand the language that you're that you're speaking. Mm. When a lot of people, mm. for them, like a museum is a building with some art in it, and it has no relation to me because it's in that building, and if I don't ever go in there, it'll never have any impact on me. But it does. How does the museum, any museum, get that person? Speak clearly, speak frankly, and think about audience. One way that I've chosen to explore that has been to think about how do artists relate to culture around them? And so we did a show in 2001 at the Bronx Museum called One Planet Under a Groove, Contemporary Art and Hip Hop. So you're looking specifically at this, this, this form, this um, cultural kind of output, and obviously thinking about the ways in which it relates to people and that's the kind of show that I think speaks clearly, speaks mm -hmm. frankly. It is also about being attuned to the conversations and inviting people to have conversations with you. So in, um, I mentioned earlier that you're coming up on your year, yeah. your year anniversary and your appointment was hailed all around. But it's a very important, important appointment in that you're African-American, in a city that's predominantly Latino. You're a museum director when there aren't many African-American museum directors. You're an African-American leader in a city where there are few African-American leaders. Can you talk about your experience wearing all these hats? Well, first, I think about the fact that, you know, when I, when I was interviewing for this position, I walked into a room where there were people who looked like me on the search committee, right? So, so you can think about the, the numbers that we talk about in Miami, but Miami's a pretty, pretty diverse, colorful city. Mm -hmm. And I also knew from my experience of having worked on exhibitions here that there were board members you know, who happened to look a little bit like me too. And, so there, there is, I think there's an environment here that is complementary, that is progressive as far as this conversation goes. Um, I mean, you know, I'm coming from LACMA. Um, it was a little bit different, you know, and, and Los Angeles is a different kind of city. Miami being in many ways as far as the, the cultural conversation goes is still quite young. Mm -hmm. So we have the opportunity to look at things differently and to maybe not make some of the mistakes of the past that might be a little bit more inward looking and less open and to the conversation. Right? So I also think about the fact that, you know, um, when you look around the city and you look at representation of, of people, that it is so incredibly diverse. The only other city that reminds me of, at least in terms of a, a sort of cultural way, is, is New Orleans. And both of these cities feel very much uh, like they are not necessarily a part of America at certain times and at certain places. You could imagine being somewhere else. Mm -hmm. 
So I think the, I, I, that is to say that I think that this city is particularly uh, complementary for someone like myself. Mm -hmm. So what does diversity and inclusion mean in a city like this that's 64% Hispanic from a range of countries and 20% black and by black, I'm talking African-American, Haitian, Jamaican, Bahamian, yeah. all over the, the Caribbean and just 15% Anglo. We, we, are, we are what a lot of American cities are going to look like in the future. We're already there. That was, that was part of the attraction. This place has the opportunity, again, like, like this museum, has the opportunity to talk about museums to kids who are having their first experience in a museum. And they're not, gonna, they're not gonna do like I did and walk up the steps to the Metropolitan that make you feel really tiny. You know, they're not gonna be surrounded by this Greco-Roman architecture. It's a completely different experience. It's an experience that, that your art might come with a beat. You know, art people who come here tonight are gonna walk into the museum, they're gonna be looking at things with music in the background. And that experience is different than it was in the past. So you speak so passionately about art, the museum, the museum's place in the community, how art speaks to, to the community, how the museum speaks to the community. But how much of the job that you have is consumed with fundraising? Because it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of money yeah. to keep, this, keep these doors open. Yeah. Exhibitions, acquisitions, programs. We're trying to build an endowment. It's a large part of the position. And, you know, that was the... Uh, that's the big change for me. I mean, obviously, I worked as a curator. Yeah, in I was going to say at Lachma, you you were a curator. I mean, yeah. that's that's you. You're about the work, yeah. the art. Now you're about the work and the money. Absolutely, is that a struggle? I mean, that's to me that's the gig. And I worked for I worked for a pretty amazing director, I think, Michael Govan in Los Angeles. And um, I've seen the way that you know one can go about that and I think that there has to be a healthy balance and we are looking at these things completely together which is why I think about and said you know we're trying to to build a collection and an endowment and they go hand in hand so it's a challenge it's not a struggle but it's a challenge you have the opportunity to create a museum a real 21st century museum. We don't have any history in the 20th century, right? It was, we were a completely different thing. We were a center for fine arts in the 80s. We only began collecting in the 90s, and we've been in this building for just about three years. Mm -hmm. So we're creating a way of thinking about museums that is born in many ways in this moment. So you have this incredible opportunity. By the same token, because there's not a history of museums, you have the challenge of philanthropy and of the idea that, that one needs to support one's local museum. I can't be here in Miami talking about art and not talk about Art Basel. Oh yeah. That is the yearly art fair that happens in December. Yes. Uh, here in Miami, how many years has it been going on now? I came to the very first. Yeah, I came to the very first one when it was just this, for lack of a better description, sort of ragtag. Hey, let's just have an art fair, and now everybody 
comes to Miami for, for Art Basel, yes. I mean, and it's just one brief week, but if you had to tell them something they're really going to miss about the Miami art scene by only coming to Miami then, what is that? That they're going to miss. That they're going to miss. If if all they do is if just they come, only come in that week, if they only come in oh. that week, and they only go to the art fair, and they only go to the miss everything. What's the everything? Life. What's happening on outside that convention? Level. The convention halls and tents that well, they should off, be coming get, back for. Well, first off, you got to get off the beach a little bit too. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's so much. There's there's so much else going on. So I. I, I mean, I made the mistake. I mean, I, I started coming here 13 years ago for that event and um, largely have stayed on the beach. Mm-hmm. And, and it took a while for me to, to have the experiences that are really make up Miami-Dade County. Little Havana, Little Haiti. And let's Opelaka. be clear, because I just realized when you say get off the beach, you're not talking like get off the beach, get off no. your towel no. uh, from under your umbrella. You're talking get off of Miami Beach, get into Miami downtown, get onto the mainland and see Miami. Yes, absolutely. I think there are so, there is so much diversity to this city as we've talked about, mm-hmm. to this county that we've talked about. And, and it doesn't exist, you know, solely around our Basel. It's nice for us to know that everybody is going to come and party with us that week and that we're going to have up a great show like Julio La Park this year or like last year when we had Nari Ward. It's fantastic to be able to show off to the international art community. But we're here every single day, and we're here for the community that surrounds us every single day. So we opened Basquiat in the middle of the summer, and we had more people come in for that opening than any other. And it wasn't during Art Week. It is, you know, the middle of the summertime because we are here. And we are, I think, perfectly located, you know, just on the other side of uh, the the water from Miami Mm -hmm. Beach. Does that mean that there is a hunger for art and for art with a message? Absolutely. I feel like, I I really truly believe that PAM, the Perez Art Museum Miami, is in a very special place as far as what we mean to people in a wider community. Sure, there are people who would say museums aren't for me, you know, it's this place that is of the past, but I think we, I, I really believe we are different and we don't have the baggage of the past. We don't have the history of any of those museums in the northern part of our country or, or even, you know, or even Los Angeles, which is a younger history than anything on the East Coast. We don't have that. So people can think about Pam and think about, I was at Pam with Trina, the singer, you know, who, who was doing a concert in front of the, the water. And that's, a museum experience. I was at Pam and I was at Verde and I had this incredible meal while I was looking out at the bay. We're not just that place to come look at a painting or look at an object. It's showing people themselves. Where else can you go in a city that has murals of an artist? Granted, it's Basquiat, big artist, but just murals on 54th Street. You'll pass two of them. So the relationship of that artist to here is deep, and that has been part of, I think, the reception to the exhibition. 
Pam is showing us ourselves. And that's what we do. Franklin Sermons, director of the Perez Art Museum, Miami. Thanks so much. Jonathan, thank you. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday for Cape Up. Now, we love hearing from you, so keep going to iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play to download new episodes, and do me a favor, rate and review while you're at it. I'm Jonathan Capehart of The Washington Post. You can find me on Twitter at CapehartJ.